Uh, Marcy, I can't go on keeping secrets from you. I was at the zoo today, and I really didn't look for anything. I don't really want to work. It's boring. I'm having fun not working. Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a open? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. And here are your hosts, Dan, Jamie, and Al. What's up, guys? Here we are. We are in the Nudie Bar, nowhere near the zoo. And my name is Al, but enough about me. How was your day, Steve? <laughs> I am Jamie, and I'd walk a mile to kiss a reptile. <laughs> and I'm Dan, just a man with seahorses on my boxer shorts. <laughs> uh, we are talking about At the Zoo, Season 4, Episode 10, directed by Jerry Cohen, writers Catherine Green, Ron Levitt, after being fired from his job, Steve plays hooky at the zoo with the Bundys, much to Marcy's chagrin. The title, At the Zoo, is from a Marx Brothers movie, At the Circus. That's, uh, obscure. <laughs> I work in a shoe store, and still I'm not happy to come home. <laughs> Mr. Bundy, want to buy some chipmunk cookies? No, go away. <laughs> A Girl Scout comes up from behind Al. Now, I know the both of you were like, wow, look who that is. <laughs> Please tell me you recognize I it. did not. Who was it? Well, I actually thought she was familiar, but I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it. Wow. She's uh, she's the girl from Jason Part 7. I was going to say that. No way, dude. Dang it. That is definitely her. That's also the girl from Texas Chainsaw 3. Right. What? I thought you guys were going to be like, whoa, look who it is. (laughs) I'll say what Jamie just said. I recognized it from somewhere, but I didn't know where. I didn't, and I didn't look it up. So I was like, oh, somewhere. Yeah. This is going to sound lame, but I honestly think it's because of her hair. (laughs) In the other two things, she looks exactly the same. Like her hair is down and, you know. Oh, my God. I can't believe that's her. That's crazy. That is awesome, dude. (laughs) Yeah. So if anybody's a horror fan, you would know Friday 13th Part 7 and Texas Chainsaw 3. She was a little girl in both those movies. Uh, Not a huge career, but a career nonetheless. You can't tell me you're not hungry. My daddy says you eat bugs and dirt. Well, you go home and tell your daddy you have the mailman's eyes. <laughs> now, let me ask you a question. When he makes that joke to her about the dad, about the mailman being her dad, right? Yeah. Do you think that's the uh, that is the daughter of the guy that he made the same joke to? Same about- neighbor. Yes. Wow. You think that's that's her? It would make sense. That'd be the most amazing tie-in I've ever heard in my it's life. It's gotta be. In, in my mind, I, hey, unless you can prove me wrong, that's that's fact. That's the daughter from now on. It's cemented in the history of marriage with children. Yep. Yeah, it seems like Alec goes with a mailman joke every <laughs> time he's near his front door, huh? <laughs> that's funny. You know what else is funny? How many times have you ever had Girl Scouts come to your door to sell you cookies? I have, but they usually make you pre-order them. Yeah, I did last week. Oh, wow. You pre-ordered them? No, I had a Girl Scout come to the door. (laughs) And they had cookies on them? Yes. Wow. Really? That's weird. I know. Yeah, usually it's like, would you like them? You just fill out how many you want and your name, and then you pay them, and then you'll get it in like three months. I was sad because I didn't know any Girl Scouts this year, and I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't get to buy any Girl Scout cookies, because I always do. And then we were watching, of all things, we were watching Gleaming the Cube the other night. Oh, wow. Brian goes, hey, do you like Girl Scout cookies? And I said, duh. And he's like, well... Get your ass to the door. There's a girl stone. <laughs> <to walk> <laughs> <laughs> but 
but he he actually went and got them and um i was just like how often does that happen like never you know nobody does that anymore what what's you guys' favorite uh kind samoa what okay wait what's that which, which one's the that coconut the coconut ones oh oh, wow. are, oh my god i forgot about those those are good how about you alex uh thin mint Dude, but you guys got to say that the peanut butter, come on. Oh, the tagalongs? Come on, yeah. is that what they're called? Yeah. Ooh. Oh, I know my Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I always get Thin Mints. I never get anything else from Girl Scouts. Uh, Brian got Thin Mints and got Samoas for me. But but you're right, though. Generally speaking, when they show up at your door, you always have to pre-order them, which defeats the whole purpose of them coming up to the door because now if you want them, just go to the grocery store. I right. mean, they're right outside there. They're yeah. always selling them. But who wants to get Girl Scout cookies when you go in grocery shop? You're like, I got all this other food here. So why don't you nip that in the bud, go to people's houses, and actually have them peanut butters? It's the weirdest concept. Like, you never buy Girl Scout cookies because you're hungry for cookies or in the mood. <laughs> because if you order them in uh, in, like, June, you're going to get them around November. So it's, it's it's like, yeah, I'm just doing this to support your little thing. That's cute that they still do that. Here you go. You know, that's all that is. <laughs> like, no one buys Girl Scouts. I mean, you could just go to the store, like you said, and buy cookies. But the whole point is just for the novelty of it, I guess. I don't know. I'm so hungry right now. I actually still have Girl Scout cookies in my uh, pantry, in my pantry. I'm saying. You know, they freeze really well. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I ate four last night, oddly enough, and it's and I, I barely eat them. So I'll have like one or two, and then a week later, three more. So it's weird that I ate them the same night I watched this episode. And I, it was totally by accident because I did it hours later. But that's Dude, weird. that's crazy. It's food. All right, I, give me a box of these macaroons. Cash only, deadbeat. <laughs> I don't have any cash. Give me some credit. Eat a bug. <laughs> Wet a bed. Wet a bed. I thought that was great. <laughs> Wet a bed. <laughs> so there's a note on the door that Peg left dinner on the table for Al. Finally, she's finally trying to turn over a new leaf. But Buck got to it first. Mm-hmm. That is just heartbreaking, isn't it? When you Al looks up and <laughs> Buck's licking the containers what's funny is i don't blame the dog in that situation because dogs are dogs she was the moron for leaving it on the table right and and then if if they're not eating chances are the dog's not eating well either so he probably knows that he's like "Ah." it is my only chance to eat something here (laughs) so the family walks in they were at the zoo all day with steve as you guys remember steve does not have a job which i think is phenomenal because typically in sitcoms when something like that happens they just sort of brush it off and move on and the next episode it's like it never happened but this is actually a catastrophic event yeah it Mm. picks up exactly where that last one left off which was which is funny because we were talking about this in the last episode where it was almost a standalone and i almost feel like the last episode was kind of like a um uh, maybe one of those things where they put an asterisk next to it and said, okay, these four or five things need to happen. And these things have nothing to do with, with, and you know, anything else going on in the season and they can be peppered in wherever. So I feel yeah. like because of that standalone episode, it was great because we got right back into the storyline, which like you said, there's nothing more annoying than it's like, oh, what what happened there? Like they just brushed that aside. Like, why don't they make that a storyline? And the fact that they did that in such a uh, it's such a such a, like it's such an epic. And then in a way, such a ridiculous way like they did in this episode. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll get into it. But I love this episode. Yeah, well, they did that. It's funny. uh because it was the car in between episode. Right. They did the brush off when Peg won that new car from How Do I Love Thee. And the very next episode, she says uh, she couldn't do something because her car was in the shop. Right. It's like, why would a brand new car be in the shop? Yep. They do. Well, they used to ignore big events like that. So I think this is a pretty big 
turning point for the show. Like, this is where we're going to start. You know, this the show is established enough. People are watching this show. This is, like, insanely popular right now. It's a major, major show on TV. It's saving the network. And we don't have to treat this like every single episode is a standalone. We could have some continuity now. And I think that's where it really started picking up was right around this whole period. Well, and, and and this is just total speculation on my point. I got nothing to back this up. But if that last episode was written by the main writers, something tells me that maybe, like I said, they do have uh, particular episodes that maybe they wrote in the beginning, you know, in the beginning of the season. So right. and nothing that truly connects to anything and won't affect continuity, not ignoring continuity in any way, right. just certain episodes that you can pepper in to um to, you know, I mean, for there's so many reasons why they do that, uh, you know, writing, writing and then just even shooting and stuff like that. So who knows? But uh, that would lead one to believe that uh, that that maybe that that lack of continuity um wasn't i don't even consider it a bad thing like the fact no, that they just, took yeah. they took a break and then they jumped back right right back into it i was i was super stoked to to see these storylines play out it's cool because it ignored the arcing story of what's happening overall on the show but it began a story arc of al bundy that continues for you know uh you know seven more seasons mm-hmm you know, starting his whole Dodge fiasco and then at the same time not interfering with what's going on in the world of Marrow Children is, is they did two things at once pretty well. Right. So now Kelly wears a belly shirt two episodes in a row. So that's really great. <laughs> it's it's now November 26th. So here's the problem. We can now talk about how hot Kelly is, but that's air date. We're going to have to hold off yet again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, everybody, like a few weeks ago, they were all kind of mentioning how we didn't mention that Mila Jovovich was 14 years old in that episode, Fair Exchange. I had no idea. Yeah, she seems so mature that it, didn't, it doesn't even occur to you. Nah. And you know what? I really don't care. <laughs> One, I don't have pervy thoughts about these people, so it doesn't mean anything to me. But also, they cast her in that role to be like a sexy seductress or whatever. So if you're just, you know, watching the show, you're not going to go digging up, especially in 1989, there was no way to go digging back and figure out how how old someone was. So anyone who was watching that show, particularly watching it back in the day, if you thought she was hot, don't let anyone make you feel guilty about it. It's not your fault. There was no there was no way for you to know or in any way suspect that she was that young because I mean, Hollywood is notorious for casting 30 year olds as high school students. So you automatically expect people to be older than they're even playing. Right. So the fact that she was so incredibly young, well, that's their bad, not yours. Yeah. And it's definitely their bad because they play that up, <laughs> like you said. Right. Like, yes. like Caster is a seductress, so it's like, all right, let's 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 look at it, how it really is here for a second. Right. And this isn't an educational show. I mean, this is a podcast no. for fun anyway. Like, yeah, we'll, we'll look some stuff up. It's not like we're doing some hardcore research here. I mean <laughs> – the research doesn't take that long. Just look a few things up, IMDb, whatever. Yeah. Um. The, you know, this isn't like we're not <laughs> fact finding here. We don't care about hard facts and research. This is really just to pass the time, have a good time and reminisce. Like those aspects are lightly peppered throughout the show. But yeah, if you're looking for that kind of thing, don't because it's weird. <laughs> well, at least every single I mean, we do a lot of stuff, but not every single thing. And like I said, I had no I had no reason to suspect she was that young or even care. But, you know, now if you're perving on the Girl Scout, that's a whole different thing. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> if we know how old she was, there's a problem. The only, <laughs> the only time I'm going to spend in terms of investigating chicks' ages is when I swipe right on Tinder. Other than that, I'm not going to put any time. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. And plus, people always like to point out the things you miss, but they don't mention like, wow, they told us 30 things we didn't know about this episode. Nobody will ever tell you that. They'll just tell you the one thing that they knew that you didn't mention. <laughs> 
But like I said, most people aren't listening just to correct the one or two things. And a lot of people do appreciate the the 30 things they probably do find out per show. So it's like, you know, whatever. Hi, honey. Oh, Al, we had such a great day. Steve took us all to the zoo. And Al, it was the best time to go. No lines or anything. Because, you know, during the day, all the idiots who have jobs can't go. <laughs> so st- st- the doorbell rings, and they all assume it's Marcy. Steve runs around the back to change his clothes because he was supposed to be looking for a job, <laughs> not hanging out at the be- uh, the, the zoo. <laughs> and she smells fun on him. Yeah. Pretty pathetic, huh? You know, I don't think Steve has what it takes not to work. He almost seems ashamed of it. I tell you what, if I ever get like that, shoot me. Uh, in case I'm not here when that happens, can I just wing you now? <laughs> now, I gotta say, whenever I was unemployed, I was so paranoid. Like, where is my next check coming from? Like, I have to have that sense of security. I have to have that solid ground under my feet. Back when I was, uh, I got laid off at 21, and I got to say, then I didn't care, but I was still living at home, and I wrote out unemployment for the full six months, and then I got a job pretty much exactly on the sixth month, like right as soon as it was done. I So I never didn't get a paycheck for a week, but so that's the only time I did that, but any time in my adult life, like Steve's age, I, I would just be pretty like concerned about, I have to get a job. I can't. That's the one thing that will drive me insane, that will keep me up at night, that I get so paranoid. It's just, it it makes me nuts. And I had this roommate who, she would go eight months at a time without having a job. She would go, yeah. She lived for a year with no electricity uh, when we were no longer roommates. Um, I was going to say, yeah, I could picture Jamie be like, yo, what's up with that rent? Because I, after a while, I eventually moved out. Because I was just like, I can't, I can't deal with this. And then after I moved out, she stopped paying the electricity bill. <laughs> so she wow. didn't have electricity. I'm like, how do you do that? How do you, I can't live like that. I right. can't. I'm just too, no. Well, it doesn't make sense because if you focus on what's happening here, all the things, like, look, this sounds great. Yeah, sure. I would just like to hang out at the zoo and the aquarium and, and a, a sailboat ride and stuff. But all these things that they're doing take money. So you couldn't do these things without a job. So it's it's kind of like, right. you know, it doesn't even like uh, work. You have to have a job in order to do any of these fun things that I guess you'd rather do than work. Sure. But how how could you have done it? You know, obviously, Peg's using Al's money and Steve's using Marcy's money or whatever. You know, and they're all get they're all buying food. Al's starving in the house. Meanwhile, he's working, but he's starving, and they're all they're buying food and giving it to animals at the zoo. So it's just like it, it's not even a realistic way to live. You just can't do that. You have to have a job. How could you eat or do anything without it or pay for your car or anything? So. But like that same roommate I was talking about with no electricity, she would – she didn't work like for months at a time, but she would sell plasma. Like she would go and sell her plasma. Oh, my God. Really? <laughs> yes. Twice a week. She what? would do this. Then eventually they had – they made her stop doing that because her protein levels were too low. Like she <laughs> – <laughs> I'm like, Jesus Christ, wouldn't it just be easier to get a job? Like why? <laughs> God, a part-time job. You can keep your plasma. Sweetheart, sweetheart, <laughs> please don't sell your plasma this week. Dunkin' Donuts is hiring. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hi, Marcy. I went to the zoo today with the kids and nobody else. <laughs> How was your day? Superb. Since I got demoted to drive up teller, everything is just so much more exciting. <laughs> it's a people job. Yeah, they drive up to my window, order a cheeseburger... Spit at me and drive away. But they're not all like that. Some of them actually try to pull my hand through the chute before they spit at me and drive away. So between that and the cheery, hurry up, you stupid moo cow, the 50-hour work week just seems to zoom by. Amy, have you ever gone to a bank and made fun of the teller? (laughs) No, that's so weird. Who does this? Yeah, who are these people? (laughs) 
He must be exhausted. You know, he comes home even more tired than I am. <laughs> Have you seen him? Well, he was nowhere near the zoo. Don't look at me. I'm blind from hunger. <laughs> oh, boy, what a day. Oh, Marcy. Did you find anything today, Angel Heart? Oh, no. Not from lack of trying. I've heard it all. Too old, too young, too handsome. <laughs> Kelly blows the cover off by asking, like, the dumbest question ever. Like, I couldn't even, my mind couldn't even comp- compute it to remember. It was something about when you're riding on a train, are there fake bears or teddy bears or something? Yeah, I was, like, I was oh. so, what? That, that's the best I could come up with because it was so hard to follow even. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Hey, Mr. Rhodes, before you go, I have a zoo question for you. When you were riding the little train around Bearland today, were there any real life teddy bears like Bud said, or do they live someplace else like I think? <laughs> Marcy, the look on Marcy's face, though, when they go back to Steve and Marcy after she realizes what Steve did all day. So heated. Epic, man. So heated. Uh, Marcy, I can't go on keeping secrets from you. I was at the zoo today, and I really didn't look for anything. Well, good, Steve. Tonight, when we're in bed together, don't look for anything there, either. (laughs) Well, then I guess you won't take this well, either. I've been thinking. I don't really want to work. It almost feels to me like he's telling her that then, like, oh, well, if you don't want to have sex tonight, then, you know, because of this... (laughs) Guess what else? They will make you not want to. It kills me because if you remember their relationship in the beginning, it was so different. Mm. Right. And now it's just become like a real disrespectful, like just a totally broken relationship in so many ways. Well, yeah. I mean, they used to be very lovey-dovey. Right. You know, they would go to the motel and to spice things up and they were just – they were – I don't know. They were always kind of all over each other. And then now it's every episode. There's like, oh, like a couple episodes ago when he's like, yeah, I don't, well, you should have to go. It's your fault. You know? Yeah. Um, and that he has Brandy Brant pinned up on the headboard. It's right. <laughs> yeah. It's just so very different. And it, it was always very upsetting to me to see their relationship degrade like that. It makes me wonder too, if like, um, if the writers knew that he was going to be gone already, like, I wonder if this whole kind of slow spiral into the abyss of their relationship, I wonder if they wrote these episodes to lead to what eventually happens. Cause he had to have given them, given them time. Although he left in the middle of a season, he had to have given them a heads up. Right. So you wonder if they had this whole thing crumbled so that it would work when it happens when he leaves. Well, I think it's the other way, Alex. I think that in the beginning, they probably wanted to create um, a dynamic in terms of all the different characters and 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 you know show some some sort of difference in between you know how everybody treats each other and how everybody interacts, right? But as you know, you you go on and these seasons go on, the more you get to know these people then you get more opportunities to give them jokes and those jokes obviously <laughs> i feel like in the beginning you have to create somewhat of a dynamic like if yeah, everybody yeah. do you know what i'm saying like if everybody's like completely just horrible to each other like right off the bat it's like okay so at least you saw the other side of it but it also was fun to it's kind of fun to watch it degrade in a sense yeah it's yeah you have to it's it's the same thing as uh, not caring about an undeveloped character in a movie if they die or whatever. Right. It's like, well, why do I care about this person if the if they're dead? Like, what does it mean to me? So you have to, in order for all these things to sting so much, it had to have come from somewhere better. And then you're like, ooh, wow, this is going wrong. And, and, and in a way, we're getting more insight into their relationship even more so than the Bundys because from day one, the Bundys have been horrible to each other. At least, like like you said, at least they started off, you know, uh, taking, you know, little overnight hotel trips and all that kind of stuff. But, 
we've obviously seen the the degradation of their relationship. So in a way, it's like you kind of you kind of were watching it unfold, you know? Yeah, and it's it's also strange because when Steve says things like you know he he really just doesn't want to work anymore and stuff, it makes me wonder if they did not know he was leaving and. They seem to have wanted Marcy to have a dynamic with a guy who doesn't work and is leeching off of her because it looks like Steve's going in that direction. And then obviously we all know that. Oh, when Je- yeah. When Good Jefferson point, comes dude. along. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So it seems like they wanted that. And now that Steve left, like, well, I still want to do this kind of thing with Marcy. So let's find the right guy. Let's not rush this. And um, in season five, they do that. And they're like, OK, so we're going to go with this idea we had. With that zoo episode, you know. Now, on the slim chance you weren't going to do squat today, which you didn't, I called your former boss on my lunch six minutes, and he agreed to see you. So if you could put on a clean suit, brush those teeth, and put on some cologne to cover up that wombat smell, he'll see you tomorrow afternoon. I... We'll meet you there to make sure you say, I'll take it to any menial job that's tossed your way. Well, I'm afraid tomorrow doesn't work for me. I told Peggy and the kids I'd take them to the aquarium. <laughs> well, dear, I'm afraid you'll be rather uncomfortable at the aquarium with my foot lodged where mommy used to put the thermometer. <laughs> <laughs> you know that reminds me, have you ever seen um, Mad TV? When Artie Lang was uh, my black mama or my white mama. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. When he plays a, a black mom because <laughs> she got hit by a car and her soul went into a white woman's – a white a white man's body. <laughs> and so now the white guy's acting like a black lady. And then his catchphrase was, Don't make me break my foot off in your ass! <laughs> like that's what that reminded me of for some reason. You know, Peg, seeing Mercy take charge like that reminds me of what a real man should be. So I'm putting my foot down. Tomorrow, when I come home, I want my slippers. I want my paper before Buck. I want my dinner again before Buck. I am the Mercy of this house. I have spoken. So it is written. So it shall be done. Place cheese critters in water and watch them grow. Now, what is a cheese critter? Put them in water and watch them grow? Is that like a sea monkey? That's what – that was my first thought. I was like, what is going on here? I had no clue, to be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, not – at first I thought it was like, um, you know, like the macaroni and cheese shapes. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. I thought it was going to be something like that. But then when he said watch them grow, I was like, uh. <laughs> and then I thought, well, is he not supposed to be eating that? <laughs> but if way, he's not supposed to be eating it, why would it be cheese? So I don't know. Completely different experience, by the way, when you're eating uh, shaped macaroni and cheese. I actually prefer it. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, don't care like what it. it. Is. I don't like it either. Oh, you guys are weird. No, it just it it's to me it's gummier. It's like the texture's way off. The because yeah. they always have those little details too, and it does it it so it makes the there are more layers of pasta. I guess is what I'm trying yeah. to say. The cheese doesn't coat it the same way. Yes. Yeah, I don't like it. I feel like you guys are right, but I have the palate of like a four-year-old, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're still eating kid cuisine. Yeah. <laughs> I know a lot of people <laughs> who do prefer that kind, so I guess there's just, you know, it just varies. It's embarrassing, though, when you go and buy it at the store, and it's like Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I just looked it up. Cheese critters. United Dairy Industry of Michigan. Okay, so there, there. So uh, cheese critters a recipe. Oh, it's just a recipe. Twelve cheese sticks, pretzel sticks with chow mein noodles, raisins, or mini chocolate chips. Optional. Ugh. Yeah, Al didn't have any of that. No, and it looks like it's just those. It's just like uh, something with pretzel sticking out like legs. Like you want to make bugs, and I guess you put pretzels like the bugs that Al eats. I, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that's the bugs and dirt he ate. But it's like cheese sticks with pretzels sticking out of it to look like centipedes. That's what cheese critters are. Wow, that's weird. So it's nothing that he was eating. Yeah, yeah. clearly different cheese critters. Yeah. So uh, the family comes back with Steve yet again. 
and he's wearing his I'd walk a mile to kiss a reptile shirt. <laughs> I swear I got to get that shirt. I got to get every stupid thing on the show. I already got the I'm married, shoot me shirt that Steve was wearing of Al's. So. He, Steve really does want to be a Bundy, though. Yeah, like, <laughs> like you got to be – you got that's a conscious decision to go to the zoo two days in a row. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Like one day, yeah, okay, but like two days in a row, it reminds me of that uh, that scene in Mighty Ducks 2 when they go on the roller coaster, him and Fulton, after <laughs> skipping school. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, like how, how long are we really going to do this, you know? Well, it's first he went to the regular zoo. Then he seemed to focus on the aquarium the next day. They did say the aquarium? Okay. Yeah. So I guess maybe it's still in this in the same zoo, but... Oh, hi, honey. You should have been with us today. We had a great time. Yeah, we fed a shark a hamburger, and then they gave a french fry to this guppy, and he exploded. <laughs> Dad, they had those great hot dogs that you like so much. Mom put one on each side of her mouth and pretended like she was a walrus. <laughs> Does anyone care that I haven't eaten in days? Really? Really? No. Of course, Al. Believe it or not, Peg does. She just left you food on the table. Too bad Buck got to it first. (laughs) I mean, that was only one day ago, right? So Peg cares, oddly enough. This joke I didn't like that much. Uh, A French fry to a guppy and then it exploded. I'm like, okay. Like, is this a cartoon now? Yeah, I don't know about that one. I didn't like it for several reasons, but mainly because why there would be no guppy in an aquarium. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not like that would be a a thing. <laughs> a thing. You know, yeah, it wouldn't be an exhibit. <laughs> yeah, that was just a very odd like kids had the kids say something. Okay, uh they fed at it. That's funny that they were feeding these things food and Al's eating cheese critters. So that that it worked in that way, but not not the joke. Um so oh yeah, and it also worked that Peg is walking around the the aquarium with hot dogs sticking out of her mouth to look like a <laughs> walrus. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I love how uh I also love how how Bud is just like so smitten with Steve, he calls him Uncle Steve. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like they totally bundyized him. Yeah. So Steve looks bummed out and you would think he'd be all happy that he was at this place. Like, why are you going to these places instead of working if you're still not happy? And it's because it's Bosco. You have some Bosco? Well, let me spit in the glass and we'll mix it up. <laughs> no. I mean, Bosco, the rare Caribbean pygmy sea turtle at the aquarium. <laughs> He looked really despondent today. Was he selling shoes to the other turtles? <laughs> no. They have him in an itty-bitty tank. He must weigh 200 pounds. He's as out of place in that tank as you would be in a library. <laughs> like a trooper, he kept his beak up, but I could tell he was just a shell of a turtle. You should have seen a male. Both of their little noses pressed up against the glass. You could barely tell them apart. No, the turtle is the one with the job. (laughs) I'm really holding back on the Bosco stuff. I'll I'll get to it later, but yeah. Yeah, Bosco the sea turtle. um... (laughs) Oh, that's right. I was supposed to meet Marcy at my old bank today. Oh, Oh, man. Mrs. Rhodes is going to gut you like a fish. (laughs) He makes it like, oh, what? I was supposed to look for a job. Dude, come on. You knew. Why did he act so surprised? You knew. He knew. He literally said to her, I'd rather do this. Then she threatens him. And the next day he says, well, I'm either going to take the threat or I'm going to go to the zoo. Again. Right. So he chose the zoo. So why is he acting like, oh, wait, I was supposed to do this. So you actually woke up and forgot that you had a the option here? Is yeah, and, and on, with a show that's predicated upon conveniences in terms of like, oh, it's a sitcom and, you know, these things have to happen for obviously like that would never happen or whatever. But stuff like that, like I would call bull work right there. Something oh, like yeah. that. Like, like, are you that ignorant? That just shows that the, the character that's that's very out of character for him. Like maybe, OK, if Kelly did that. Yeah. OK, that's yeah. whatever. But or or maybe even somebody else that or but but like he's supposedly like. Just all all of a sudden he's off of work for what, like a week? 
Yeah, and he's completely he's res- resorting to like the Bundy lifestyle that quick. Exactly. That's a that's a uh, it's a bold turn. That just shows what kind of an influence they are. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know. they've been influencing him since day one, so it actually does work. But it, the most I would say is that he meant to leave a little earlier and head over to the bank, and that's about it. But there's no way he forgot completely. You know. I mean, who knows? Maybe he was going to leave early, but then Bosco took all his attention. <laughs> that could be the reason. And, and judging by what he does later on, that that would definitely back that up. <laughs> A drug-crazed gunman attempted to rob the leading bank of Chicago this afternoon. His attempt was foiled by a feisty local woman, Marcy Rhodes, whom he tried to seize as a hostage. But he picked the wrong woman, didn't he, Mrs. Rhodes? Is that gunshot wound through your hand bothering you? Not really, Waldo. So random, dude. <laughs> Marcy was shot. <laughs> this is so stupid. He jammed a gun in her stomach. <laughs> What's bothering me is my husband is a screw-up. <laughs> you went to the zoo again today, didn't you, Steve? <laughs> That souffle better be damn fluffy. (laughs) Exactly how did you apprehend the criminal? Well, when the robber jammed his gun in my stomach, I did what I felt I had to do. I threw up on the floor. (laughs) As he slipped on it, he knocked himself out. (laughs) But the gun went off and shot me through the hand, horribly wounding me. But enough about me. How was your day, Steve? It is such perfect delivery, which is why I used it in my opening joke when she goes, but enough about me. How was your day, Steve? <laughs> like, the way she says it and looks at the camera and everything was perfection, man. So much anger. Uh. <laughs> well, guess I'll go home, get my stuff, and head for the Y. Listen, if she comes over here, you haven't seen me. Uh. <laughs> and she's standing right behind him. And she almost looks like a robot killer. Yeah, she looks psycho there. I've seen that look a couple times. I know that look. Tell her I'm out looking for a job. She'll buy it. After all, she's probably loaded full of painkillers. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi, Marcy. I was just out uh, looking for a job. So, what's up? See this hand, Steve? Yeah. See this one? (laughs) Gee, this kind of puts the kibosh on the sailboat trip tomorrow, doesn't it? (laughs) It, it, um, No. (laughs) I just, I I look at situations like that, and I'm like, I can't even, I would never be in that situation. (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't, yeah, but. Steve was a normal guy, so you might be. Well, and that's what that's actually what I was going to say is I say that and then I think, well, they started out normal, but <laughs> we don't have any Bundys around to influence him, so oh, sure. maybe that's yeah. the difference. Hey guys, a toast to the working man, the last American hero. Right guys? Right. right. We work to make a living, and what do we get? Squad. <laughs> and what else? Nothing. Why do we go on? We're, We're stupid. stupid. <laughs> a toast to the stupid working man. To us. It's basically the last like ten minutes of it or so where they're yeah. where they're doing both conversations uh, with with Marcy and Al, and then obviously with with um, with Steve and Peg uh, right after that, and they they those. The scenes obviously mirror each other, but I thought that was awesome to see. Like, and, and I didn't see that coming, especially because Al and Marcy hate each other so much. You know, the fact, like, it's just funny that they went there. Like, that whole dynamic was so interesting to watch. And then when they hop over to the other other conversation, and they they're basically doing the same thing. Uh, I thought I thought that was some of the best stuff that I've seen. I was like, oh wow, they're really going here. This is great. It was so different. It was. It was It was very different. You know what really frosts my weenie? <laughs> After you marry them, they don't care how they look. Don't even shave. Right, guys? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
So the only other time we saw anything like this was when Alan Marcy had their moment on the on the bench, the picnic bench, uh, about her Aunt Toonie's ashes. That was the only time Al ever seemed to comfort her or care about anything she was saying mm-hmm. in any way like that as a human being. So what was it? What do you guys, how do you feel like it, it was to see that? Like, Oh, I always like those moments because even though they jab at each other constantly, there's always been this really interesting, almost a camaraderie that's really under the surface with them because she's always been the male portion of, of her relationships, the two heads of household, as it were, you know, as much of a head of a household as Al can be. Right, right. Yeah, they're the only ones who could identify with each other anymore right now. We're going to have this whole moment in the bar, a toast to the working man. Marcy is going to be out of sorts because she was definitely weird. Like, she was acting strange, like when he put her, her hand down, because it was blocking them, and then she like kind of moved her head weird. It was almost like she was really out of it, and I don't know if it was a combination of the pain pills and the drinking. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> yeah, she, she's she, she's coupling pain pills with drinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah, Percocets and beer is a dangerous combination. <laughs> yeah, if she thought she was puking a lot before. Yeah, can you imagine Marcy really doesn't ever drink or anything? She obviously never does drugs or anything. So she decides to do both on the same day. (laughs) Yeah, it's going to turn out well. And regardless, it's implied that she's on painkillers, by the way. But at the same time, if if you got shot in the hand, they're going to give you something in the hospital too. And this is right after it. This is only a couple hours. So it's pretty much confirmed. Yeah, she's puking. Oh, yeah. Well, I can't complain. At least I live with one who has a job, makes me dinner, and doesn't mind rubbing my feet after a hard day. Yeah, but your mom's getting kind of old. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy's like, you know, 35. He ripped that guy. See, this is what I love about that. Out of nowhere. Now, you recognize that guy. That is Norris from past episodes. He was one of the guys... In Earth Angel, working in Al's yard. He was in the poker game. I didn't shoot the deputy. Requiem for a dead barber. So he's he's supposed to be the same character then? Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. And he does he does play other characters. He'll come back as a motorist, number one. <laughs> Leonard Van Pelt. Al's feet. I don't know. <laughs> Gorgo. Uh, parachuter. Like, he, he shows up all throughout The Married with Children, all the way to 1995. As different people. But yeah, back then he was just mostly playing Norris. Yep. Okay. Yeah. One cool thing we mentioned, Officer Dan. He is in this episode, like I said a couple episodes ago, he's playing Sonny in this one. So I guess he was one of the guys in the bar. I didn't even notice him. The bartender, his real name is Michael Clark. He comes back in 1994 and Kelly breaks out as a stage manager. And the guy who uh, did the the news reporting when Marcy was shot, his name is uh, Matt McKenzie. He has 79 credits in acting, and he's famous for Vampire Hunter, Bloodlust, Black Mask, and Final Fantasy X. So he was pretty cool, though, because every time Marcy was talking and she was dissing Steve, he would, like, laugh about it while yeah. he was doing the thing. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> Besides, moms aren't really women. I'm talking about the things you marry. I mean, when you come. I mean, when you come crawling home after a hard day, what do they want? Loving. They don't understand. It's just more work for us. I mean, the last thing a guy wants to look at at the end of a day is a woman. Hey, look at that one. And then the apparently hooker walks (laughs) through the bar, and all the guys follow her. So, last call. way they change i mean when i first married steve he was a greedy materialistic pig he'd step on an old lady for a dollar god how he excited me now he's just another man with seahorses on his boxer shorts oh well what if steve never works again 
Lock yourself in the bathroom and don't have kids. <laughs> hey, guys. Kids. <laughs> Case in point. See that old man in the corner there? <laughs> Neil Cochran, eight kids. He's 30 years old. <laughs> I talked about having children. God, can you imagine that life? You, the only working parent, a couple of kids chained to your wallet. Oh, I'd rather have a knife plunged in my throat. <laughs> Sorry. And and this and this moment here, Marcy realizes that her and Steve are not going to have kids, especially if he doesn't work again. And that's kind of sad because then you're like. Marcy, you're not even going to be married to Steve in, oh, right. in yeah. a couple weeks. Yeah, that is sad. <laughs> yeah. I guess what's really bothering me here about Steve is that not only are we not talking, but this is the first time in our relationship I've kept secrets from him. I mean, I'm keeping something from him right now, even though I know it's wrong. Well, maybe you can help me handle this. <laughs> Wait a minute here, Marcy. <laughs> I know you look at me and just see hunk, but... <laughs> You're not the first who tried to bag the big one, but... <laughs> Can never be. I belong to another, and more importantly, I find you physically repulsive. I don't want you, you shaved ape. <laughs> No need to get personal chicken legs. Anyhow. Well, what I think is interesting is that he accuses her of making it personal when she refers to him as a shaved ape. Yet he had just said right before that, no, because I find you physically repulsive. <laughs> is that not making it personal? You remember when I sort of caught that bank robber? Well, what I didn't tell Steve is that they... Sort of gave me a little reward. How much? $25,000. Hey, barkeep. A whiskey for the lady and a deck of cards for me. Now, Jamie, is that just 50000 It's so 50000 just... and about two hundred. Okay. So roughly $50,000, yeah. So right away, Al, Al orders a whiskey for the lady and a deck of cards. Which he gets. Boy, it's really scary being unconscious. The things you imagine. I thought two little leprechauns and a red-headed giant were going through my pockets. <laughs> then a woman with a mustache gave me a big French kiss. That was Buck. He thought your tongue was his chew rag. <laughs> Well, you can't go through life getting knocked out. Guess there's no way around it. Marcy wants me to get a job. I guess I'll have to get a job. Oh, forget about Marcy for a minute. What do you want to do? I want to be a cowboy. <laughs> well, let's just say that all the cowboy jobs were taken by men. <laughs> What's your second choice? Well... I was hoping to do something special. Something's been on my mind all day. But I don't have the nerve. Oh. oh, Steve. I know you look at me and just see man candy. But it can never be. First, I belong to another. And second... <laughs> you couldn't handle the ride. Now she says that really convincingly as if I believe her. But I know her sex life and it's horrible. And if Al lasts three seconds or 30 seconds or whatever, how good do you have to be to handle Peg? I, I feel like she believes it. That might not be the rea the reality of it, but I think she believes that. Well, he couldn't even handle the thought. No, he couldn't. 
It's time for no man to take a little break in the Jiggly Room. I'm the DJ, and I'm gonna play a little bit of music that was on this week's episode of Marry with Children. Born free, as free as the wind blows, as free as the grass grows. Born free to follow your heart Live free And beauty surrounds you The world still astounds you It's time you look at a star uh, She says that he should do something that pleases him and so Peg is the one that convinces Steve uh, s- somehow in a roundabout way to to kidnap this turtle from the zoo. Oh my God, dude. Maybe the smell of this check will wake Steve up again. I'm going to tell Steve about the money. Hey, look at this. And to close, we have a story about a true moron. (laughs) Tonight, an unemployed house husband and self-described man of nature, thinking that the last Caribbean pygmy turtle born in captivity was unhappy, broke into the zoo aquarium, stole the turtle, and released it into Lake Michigan. Apparently, this man of nature didn't know it was a saltwater turtle. (laughs) Witnesses report Bosco tried valiantly to crawl back out of the water, only to be thrown back in by this deranged, unemployed man, standing on the bank, singing, born free. (laughs) Bosco will be missed. I'm sorry, like, I've been <laughs> I've been trying to, like, hold off on this part. I was in tears laughing about this, this new story that they talk about, Bosco the Turtle. Like, I, I gotta be honest with you, like, I don't know if it just, but for some reason, I found the description of what he did to be one of the funniest things ever. Oh, anytime. I, th- this show's really great at doing news stories, especially when it's about the person on the show. You know, like, the best was, like, in um, He Thought He Could when Al steals a library book and the reporter goes, in this person's op- in this reporter's opinion, a true piece of human garbage. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yep. The old lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they always are spot on when they do their news stories. Now, that mugshot is a big <laughs> – not a big deal, but when Steve left the show, it was his going away present from the producers. Oh, nice. Uh, I'll play a clip right now of that. The producers gave Garrison a sentimental send-off. They gave me a huge photograph. Uh, it was actually a mug shot from one episode where Steve had been arrested uh, with a, a bloody lip. It was a mug shot, and they wrote across it, and you're going to have to bleep this for your audience. Uh, gotta sing, gotta dance, gotta fucking starve to death. <laughs> For the remainder, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> well, and the the best little detail too, which this this just killed me. Well, this and then one more other quick scene, but uh, the fact that the the turtle tried to escape once thrown in the water, and then he threw him back. <laughs> <laughs> he tried valiantly to get away, and this <laughs> moron kept throwing him back he in. He threw him back. Like, I'm sorry. I I have not been able to stop laughing about that. Like, I'll just be walking around like I was working yesterday, and it just hit me, and I started dying laughing. Just picturing him, like this poor turtle is like, oh, my God, what's going on? Finally gets out of the water, and he just picks it up again and throws it back. Yeah, and we're supposed to believe that Skinny Steve could pick up a 200-pound turtle over and over and throw him back into the lake. I don't know. And then the other funny part was the was when they showed uh, Bosco's picture and the, <laughs> the day he died. He lived for 88 years until he met Steve. <laughs> so random. Like, I'm sorry for that. That might be the funniest thing on this show yet. Bosco the Turtle. 
It's not funny. Like, I was going to cry. <laughs> but just the fact that this turtle clearly knew that he wasn't in the right kind of water. <laughs> and I know that's awesome. horrible. It just, it really makes me so sad. Just threw him back. The turtle's like, whoa, 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 this ain't the right water. This poor turtle. And he threw him back. <laughs> he threw him. I, I, I picture this with Steve's blue shirt on, too. Born free. <laughs> he was singing Born Free. Oh, my God. So the, the I, believe, I believe that song actually won an Oscar. Steve's Steve's cover of it, or no, the, no, no, the original song, uh, not his live cover. <laughs> Bail has been set at twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> not nearly enough, in this reporter's opinion. <sighs> well, I guess I know what I have to do. Gonna go bail him out. Let him rot. <laughs> I'm gonna buy myself a new Jag. <laughs> The bail was set at $25,000, which is amazing coincidence. And it's it's a great setup because you figure that, well, I guess I know where this check's going. So, <laughs> he uh, the turtle back. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> we, somebody has to do an artist's conception of Steve throwing the turtle back in Lake Michigan for Dan. Poor 88-year-old senior citizen turtle trying to crawl out of the water. And Steve's like, no, no, little guy. Come on. I'm freeing you. Go. <laughs> Did you guys notice that um, when the reporter said not nearly enough in this reporter's opinion, you hear an audience member say shut up? No, no I didn't notice that. No. Yeah. Because she said the bail said at $25,000. Not nearly enough in this reporter's opinion. Shut up. Something like that. I swear to God. Oh, I rewound wow. it three times, and I swear it's what it was. I'll play it on this show and amplify it, but I think that's what I heard. Yeah. Oh, wow. No, I didn't notice that. Not nearly enough in this reporter's opinion. <laughs> Not nearly enough in this reporter's opinion. <laughs> Marcy is going to let him rot and buy herself a new Hagwar. <laughs> Which I wonder if we ever hear about again. I'll have to... Pay attention to that. So Al pays off his bar tab by mopping up the place while he sings Born Free. <laughs> Born Free. <laughs> free, is the free. <laughs> Great. What an episode. Now, since you like this turtle thing so much, Dan, um, <laughs> it turns out now I, I don't know if um, – oh, yeah, and by the way, the news anchor who reported about Steve, her name is Lisa Moss, and this is her one and only role ever. Wow. Yeah. I guess she took that guy's advice and did shut up and just left. <laughs> so um, here's, uh, I guess, f- facts that – I don't know if there's a fact or not, but – so on IMDb, it says, Steve is supposed to have killed a saltwater Caribbean pygmy turtle – by putting him into Lake Michigan, a freshwater lake. First of all, there is no such animal as a Caribbean pygmy turtle. Second, turtles are reptiles and are not vulnerable the way a saltwater fish placed in freshwater would be. Saltwater turtles can survive in freshwater for short periods of time. Mm-hmm. I guess I just figured I'd say that. <laughs> Don't know how true it is. That's no, it is because they... They don't have to – they don't filter the water like fish do with gills. They actually breathe air, so they they come up and breathe the air. So it really – for a short period of time, I don't think it would bother them. Right. I guess Bosco just was thinking about the long run of no, – You got long- Bosco? I'll spit in a glass and let's stir it up. <laughs> <laughs> that was gross. <laughs> mm. No, man. Bosco's instincts kicked in, man. He knew something was up. No, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app 
and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children podcast. Now they're available on the TV Time app. Go to your app store and type in TV Time. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. Now Dan, Jamie, and Alex are going to give their final thoughts on this week's episode. How many times are we throwing Bosco back into Lake Michigan after he valiantly tries to escape Jamie? Well, you know, I really do like this episode. I feel like it sets in motion, well, a couple of the things have already been set in motion, but we had that little break with the last episode. This continues to roll on until it eventually culminates in what we know is a huge moment on this show. And so this is a pivotal point in that. Plus, we have some really fun conversations. I think I'm going to throw the poor thing back into Lake Michigan four times. Wow, nice. <laughs> <laughs> poor thing. Uh, Dan, how many times are you? I'm so glad you get to do this. Dude, huh? Bosco is getting thrown five times. I This is... <laughs> <laughs> just the fact that that Steve was so concerned, like he could just feel the pressure from Marcy. Like he had so much stress in his life that he had to go to the zoo and, and go to the aquarium and take Bosco. Just the fact that he was compelled to do that, accompanied with with when they showed Bosco's picture. I'm sorry, man. Like I was literally crying and I, and I have been for the past like day or so thinking about good old Bosco. Uh, this is <laughs> one of the best episodes, man. I loved it. I laughed a lot. And then to end it with, with Bosco, like I said, like, like, <laughs> like it may, and that just speaks to my particular sense of humor, but I'm sorry. I find stuff like that so funny. And the fact that we didn't see it, they're just describing it, I, I think is one of the greatest things ever. Bosco's getting thrown five times in Lake Michigan. <laughs> and I like that we don't see it because our imagination can only be better. He just picked it up in the <laughs> He just kept throwing it back. <laughs> I give this episode, I'm going to go 4.5 times. I'm throwing them back in, and then what am I going to do? Just, like, shove them to the front of the water the last time? <laughs> uh, or just turn them around, have them walk back in that direction? Give him a little kick. Uh, no, the, in this scenario, you end up saving him. <laughs> yeah, the half the time is when I'm about to throw him in and go, you know what, I think I'm throwing him in the wrong water. Uh, so yeah, this was just uh, great. I love the whole like what they're doing on their day when everyone else is working. They're just goofing off at the zoo and they're so invested in nonsense. You know the craziness that's going on in the zoo. Them feeding the animals food and stuff, and Al starving as usual. Marcy just was amazing in this episode. I got to give <clears throat> Amanda Burst a lot of credit. Like yeah, everything she did was great. Her delivery with the reporter, her faces when Steve was talking about her, her whole thing with Al in the bar. It was cool to watch her hang. And you could tell she was still a little nerdy and not super cool. She still had that nerdish uh, vibe to her. But she was still trying to be cool because now she's just hanging with Al and, you know, the, the defenses are down. We're just chilling and reminiscing about how much we hate our spouses. <laughs> Yep. So <clears throat> it was just cool to see all these different sides of Marcy. Her getting shot, that's a pretty big deal. And uh, for Bosco himself, this uh, this episode, by the way, is in memory of Bosco, just so everybody knows. Uh, 1989, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Dan's going to have like a whole memorial. Like, he's going to say, <laughs> November 26, 1989, never forget. <laughs> Flash He's gonna get pictures. like a sticker to put it on the back of his car window. <laughs> Bosco. Two people on the planet will uh, will know the reference. Get that joke. Yeah. yeah. Hey, listen. Welcome to my world with the Mara Children reference jokes. 
And we know how Dan's drinking his chocolate milk. And uh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> guys, the next thing you will listen to. Oh, man. Is one of the biggest episodes uh, of all time. Number one, all the, you know, if you have a Christmas thing, it's always sort of a big deal. But this <clears throat> is the famous two-parter. It's a Bundy full life. When Al fails to make it to the bank on time, the Bundys risk spending another holiday presentless unless he can make some quick cash. Now, Alex, would you say this is a top five um, most popular episodes? Oh, yeah. Popular, yeah. I would I would think most people know this episode. Yep. Um, is it in people's top ten? I would think so. Mm-hmm. Um... It's just, it's just iconic and legendary. And Sam Kennison, I don't know about you guys, but I, I loved him as a comedian. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, how do you not, you know, it's just, uh, we'll get there. But, <clears throat> yeah, guys, tune in next week for that. We realize it's May 9th, but, you know, we got to do these in chronological order. Hey, uh, maybe just wait to listen to it around December or just listen. Either way, it'll be a good time. We'll be back next week. Rest in peace, Bosco.